Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. And on today's show, we are joined by our regular contributor, Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com, to break down the Raptors' first preseason game and their first game back in Toronto in over 18 months. The vibes were off the charts. Both Vivek and I were there last night, taking in the sights, smelling the smells, watching the Toronto Raptors beat the Philadelphia 76ers, 123-107. We're going to talk, of course, about Scotty Barnes, who was quite impressive in his debut, and we're going to dig into our other big takeaways from the game, the same way we usually do on these game recap-type podcasts. It's great to be back talking games, and that's all coming up on today's show with Vivek Jacob in just a second. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Episode number 1029 of Locked on Raptors 4. God, I'm, it's, it's, we're at the point where I lost track of days again. It was great. The offseason, it was easy to keep track, but games are happening now. It's Tuesday, October the 5th. Uh, and back to my old ways. Uh, I'm, of course, your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. And you can find it free on all platforms, whether you listen to podcast apps or on YouTube. Please subscribe to the YouTube page. It's much appreciated. We're pushing towards 800 subs, and it's very, very kind of all of you who to have pressed that button and subscribe to this here channel and also thank you for making us your first listen of the day and with that let's get to today's show as the toronto raptors beat the philadelphia 76ers 123 107 in their return to scotia bank arena to kick off the preseason last night lots to dig into from this one and we are going to dig into all of it with raptors.com's very own vivek jacob what's going on pal nothing much just uh coming off that high of the game man it was nice to be back at scotia bank arena and see all the familiar faces, uh, you know, I love that we went to the press conference room and, uh, you know, the same security guy who monitors like who's going mm-hmm. into the player's locker and who's going into the press conference room was right there. Like he'd never moved for a year yeah. and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was just really nice to be back there, seeing the people, the mingling, the just you know taken in the sights it was uh really really refreshing it felt bizarrely normal as normal as i felt in 18 months it was quite nice um I, I, there was certainly some social uh like awkwardness to shake off from 18 months of being a shut-in uh I, my favorite uh, moment of the night is uh, i tweeted about this but i'll t- share it on the podcast as well i ran into glenn grunwald uh former rappers gm former guest of the podcast of course uh and i th- i've met glenn many many times before i've sat in his office for an hour one-on-one and recorded a podcast with him when he worked at McMaster and he was literally my boss for like a couple years when I worked at McMaster as well I've met him so many times we're on a first name basis that I saw Glenn and I was like hey Glenn nice to meet you uh <laughs> that is the degree to which uh there was some social rust to be shaken off last night so um without further ado let's get into our takeaways from the game we're going to get into some sort of you know, our own personal takeaways from the game in the second and third segments. But we should start at the top with everybody's takeaway, which is that Scotty Barnes looked pretty good. He was pretty good last night. 13 points, nine boards, six assists. 
Uh, had uh, three steals, two blocks as well. Had five turnovers, which we'll get to and sort of talk about the growing pains. It'll still definitely be there with him. But boy, it was really, really fun to watch Scotty Barnes uh, do Scotty Barnes things. Be long, play defense, throw cool passes, have energy, yell from the bench to the point that you can hear him from the upper gondola. Uh, it was a great time. Vivek, what was your sort of takeaway watching Scotty Barnes play in a Raptors uniform in an official capacity for the first time? Yeah, I mean, that's one guy who definitely has no social rust, right? It seems like <laughs> not at <his> all. energy and, <laughs> and electricity. He's never met Glenn Grunwald, like, but would walk up to him as though he's known him for 10 years. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, right from the warm-ups to the starting lineup being announced to everything that he did during the game, I mean, he's just constantly at it. Um, I, I saw a tweet, I think it was Paul Bromby, that said, you know, he's kind of got the energy of JYD, but mm. um, obviously in terms of talent, the ceiling's a lot higher. And, mm -hmm. and when you can have that combination, it's really exciting. Uh, you know, it, we, we did the podcast earlier on what uh, a successful season would be for Scotty. And mm -hmm. I had said back then that the X factor will be the passing and where yeah. that assist number uh, would be. And, and you can see right off the bat why that number can be so tantalizing, like yeah. a great vision when he gets the ball, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, off a deflection, off a, off a rebound, he's going heads up uh, and he's always seemingly trying to make the right pass. Yeah. There were some turnovers here and there, but it was all from trying to make the right play. So mm -hmm. as a rookie, that's really exciting. Um, you know, the shooting, that, that's going to be a work in progress over the course of the season. Uh, he's talked about how he's working on that with the coaching staff. But yeah, the, the passing for me is what stood out by, by far. Yeah, I think the takeaway for me is that, like, Scotty Barnes obviously is not anywhere near what the Raptors perceive his final form to be. But the thing I'm thinking about is that even though he's not going to be there for maybe three, four years, there's going to be a lot of contribution to be offered in the meantime. Like he's a guy who can affect the game in a lot of ways, even if he's not the star of your team, which of course I think they hope that he can be down the line. Like it's not going to be a matter of, okay, he's a project for three years and then finally he's useful. Like there's going to be utility to Scotty Barnes all the way up until he kind of, you know, fleshes out into a more developed, you know, offensive threat. You know, the defense is just like, I, I don't dribble near him. He's ridiculous. Like, he's so long. His arms just go for days. And he had two or three, you know, sort of poke away strips last night that were just like beyond what a 20-year-old in his first NBA action should be able to do. And it's going to only sort of amplify itself when he's playing alongside all the other long dudes the Raptors have, which was a theme of the night last night. Just everyone's enormous and everyone has arms. And it kind of is lending credence to the idea that last year the Raptors' problems weren't so much that they didn't have a center. It's that when they played small, they, they were going like three guys who were 6'4 and under. And that's just tough to do. They're going to play small this year, but they're going to play it huge. And that's going to be a huge difference. And I think Scotty Barnes is going to fit nicely into basically any lineup they want to roll out with those multiple switchable defenders because of all the stuff he can do between the secondary playmaking, between sometimes putting the ball in the deck. He had that lovely dunk where he just kind of soared in, um, blown by, I can't, it might have been Danny Green, but, you know, he just does a lot to affect winning 
without being the central force of the team. This is not a guy who comes in as like your number one pick of the future who needs to take many years with the ball in his hands to refine what he's got going on. Like he can affect the game right away. And, you know, if all he's doing is picking up buckets on cuts and the odd, you know, pull up or, or mid range jumper or the odd catch and shoot three, then that's totally fine by me. You know, go nuts with that and just do all the other stuff that makes him a really effective player. Um, you know, the smarts, the sort of passion, passing vision. It seems like he's already got like a knack for finding guys cutting. There were a couple of examples. Um, you know, he kind of got the ball in the post or on the baseline, sees a guy streaking from in the, the left or right wing or up from the top. And it's just like, all right, here you go. Easy bucket. It's just, I like Scotty Barnes is the takeaway from this segment. He is fun as hell. Um, I want to ask you about the sort of the way he was used last night. So we started next to Preston Chua, OG Ananobi, Goran Dragic, and Fred Van Vliet. And Nick Nurse spoke about wanting to get him in with the second unit as well to kind of run that show. And he did very much do that in the second quarter. The Raptors kind of blew away or it pulled away and blew the game open with that second unit with Barnes and Delano Banton. Uh, Svee was out there. I think Utah was out there quite a bit as well. And Scotty Barnes was a big reason why that lineup was so effective. He was a little bit less effective, I guess, in his first stint when he was playing with the starters. And Fred Van Vliet actually uttered after the game that he thinks Scotty currently is more comfortable in those secondary units, not playing with top players. What did you think of those comments? I thought that was interesting to hear from Fred. And I don't know how that will sort of lead into what his usage is going to be this season. I think he's probably going to start with Chris Boucher uh, being declared out for three to four weeks. So I, I think there's a starting spot open for Barnes, but maybe there's sort of a bit of foreshadowing in the comments from Nurse and Fred as to what his role will be once they're fully healthy. Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly it. It's when he's when the team is fully healthy, he's probably best suited to come off the bench with Pascal Siakam next to OG and Dragic and Fred uh, mm-hmm. and, and Ken Burch, she would assume would be the starting center. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think for him, you know, maybe that comfort level, maybe that, you know, Utah talked about this uh, in his approach last season where, you know, he tried to fit in a bit too much. And so, you know, there were moments where he could probably go and take control of the offense and he didn't. And maybe Scotty feels a bit of that in the starting lineup, which is natural because he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe you know when those young guys like Delano uh, and uh, you know you had Champagne in there as well, mm-hmm. you know that's when he feels like okay, I can take I can really take control here, and you know I can make mistakes and not worry about it at all. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, maybe there's a bit of that, but I feel like even with Scotty, you know, the way his confidence is, the way his energy is, that's probably something that he'll wear off in, you know, a matter of weeks, (laughs) months or years. Uh, And so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of getting Scotty in that starting lineup uh, throughout the preseason, maybe early in the season as well. uh, Especially now with Boucher out uh, along with Pascal and get him as many reps and let's accelerate Mm -hmm. that development. And, and then, you know, once everyone's healthy, you can let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, well put. Uh, that I feel like that we can leave the Scotty talk there for today. There will be plenty of Scotty talk to come on the podcast. I can promise you that because he's kind of a hard dude to not want to talk about. Uh, but there are other guys that we got to dig into as well. Some other takeaways from the uh, evening, including OG Ananobi, who had a quiet 21. Uh, some nice, interesting sort of roster battles kind of forming and developing with some performances last night. Sfim Haliuk, for example, looked really good. We'll get into all of that coming up in just a second here. But first, want to tell you about our 
our friends over at DirecTV Stream. Look, it's very difficult sometimes in this modern world we live in because we have a million devices with all of the different streaming services and uh, you know the sports and everything we want to watch. All it's not con it's not, not connected at all. It's all disconnected. It's discombobulated. It's hard to manage. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And a great way to do that is to get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remote. Notes. No need to buy a new device ever again. And the best part is that there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Today's show is also brought to you by Shopify. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses so upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, if you listen to this podcast, you have heard the early days of this show where we didn't really have any ads. We weren't really selling space or anything like that, and we have scaled up ourselves, and you can do the exact same with Shopify. Like mine, Shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses from first sale to full scale and uh, re you can reach customers online across social networks without with an ever-growing suite of chain channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash NBA, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, Big V, let's continue on here, and uh, I'll put it to you. We talked about Scotty Barnes, who was our collective biggest takeaway of the game, but what was your uh, next biggest takeaway of the game from uh, what you watched last night? Well, there's like the biggest takeaway I have from the main guys, and then there's the biggest takeaway I have from the rest. So from the main guys, I would say OG Ananobi, watching him pregame even, mm -hmm. uh, his stroke looks like there's a conscious effort uh, that he's made to add a bit more arc to his stroke. You can see it's a yep. bit more feathery. It's getting a bit higher on the release. Um, and it's a bit quicker too. So mm -hmm. uh, I think... Uh, that was something that played out during the game as well. You're always curious to see, you know, well, what someone's practicing before the game actually translate to what's happening in the game. Then you got to mm -hmm. see, does it translate from preseason to regular season? Does it translate from regular season to playoffs? All of that. So uh, I think for now, the signs are very encouraging because if he can shoot off the dribble like he did, mm -hmm. uh, that's it. That's it total game changer for him it's it's gonna help him get off shots from beyond the arc it's gonna help him get to the basket and get to the foul line uh and so i am very encouraged by what i saw at og ananobi as a scorer we know mm -hmm. what he can do as a defender and mm -hmm. so this is where you see a shot like that you say okay there's there's an all-star there yeah, I mean, one preseason game is not enough to tell us if the breakout is actually nigh, but it was a really encouraging outing from OG. 7 of 12 from the field, 3 of 3 from downtown, got to the line four times, hit them all. 
Uh, 21 points, three boards, just the one assist. Only had one turnover, though, which I thought was really impressive because I don't really know why the Sixers were doing this. Maybe it was just like practice for the regular season, which I guess is what you do in the preseason. So maybe that's why. But they were sending doubles OG's way quite often in the post. Um, you know, just as he was kind of driving into traffic, they would send a couple bodies his way. And normally when you see that kind of attention, you're going to turn the ball over a little bit if you're not used to it. But OG seemed to manage it quite well. There were a couple post-ups where a couple guys came his way and he very quickly kicked it out to the top of the arc, kept the possession going. Um, obviously, this is all kind of rudimentary top option stuff when you like this is the sort of first step in becoming a fully fledged star. But really, really encouraging to see that, you know, obviously, this is a game that didn't feature the two best defenders on the Sixers roster, one of whom is in L.A. somewhere and uh, Joel Embiid did not play, of course. So it's, you know, take it with all of the grains of salt, of course. But I thought, you know, we had Matisse Thibel guarding him for quite a bit of this game. You know, noted second team all defense player, <laughs> Matisse Thibel, um, you know, and he was able to kind of get his shots off. And it, it never felt forced to me like there were he wasn't doing the top option thing where it's like, all right, I got to bail out every single possession here and go ISO like. A lot of his buckets were opportunistic, kind of in the flow of the Raptors' fast break. He got a couple catch-and-shoot threes, a couple pull-ups here and there, but I just thought it was all really controlled and doesn't feel like it's something that can't be repeated from OG. And if that's the kind of role he's going to occupy offensively when Pascal's back, I mean, that could be extremely dangerous. Obviously, he's going to have to take on a little bit more of the ball-handling burden, I would think, until Pascal returns, but... Um, I don't know. All told, I think the OG performance is something to really, really hang your hat on. And, you know, we'll continue to see the returns on how it translates to the defensive end and whether the rest of the defensive horses the Raptors seem to have on the roster this season kind of offset any, you know, drop back there might be as OG levels up on the offensive side of things. But if you're looking for sort of signs that can tell you that OG can actually scale up the usage and maintain the 60-something true shooting percentage. Obviously, that's a lofty standard, but maintain some level of high efficiency. This was a really encouraging game for that between the free throws and the shooting efficiency and all that stuff. Um, let's go to a couple other guys here, uh, sort of from the main crew. I, I do want to talk about the sort of roster battles, Vivek, and, and where things are sort of transpiring there in a sec here. But uh, Precious Achua is going to be on the team, and I thought Precious Achua was really fun in this game. 13 points, he had seven rebounds, six of nine shooting, and... I think my sort of takeaway about Achua is that one of the biggest swing skills for the Raptors as a whole this season feels like that jump shot. He had three pull-up jumpers last night, uh, two mid-range, one three-pointer that was kind of like a step back where he took one dribble and gathered. Um, you know, he's lightning fast. He can grab and go. He's one of like eight guys on the team who can grab a rebound and go. They should never, ever cough up a turnover in the backcourt passing the ball to the point guard this season because there's no need just take it yourself dude uh <laughs> so none of those terrence ross turnovers please and i just thought you know after a bit of a jittery start achua really settled in and that jump shot like i don't know if it's real it's one preseason game but if it is real that's a dynamic the raptors haven't had from their centers in a very long time what did you think of precious's game and that shooting in particular yeah really fun like you said, um, you know, the coast to coast stuff, the the pull up stuff, um, just a bundle of energy. And I think when he's able to go up against other second units, I think that's where you're going to be able to see him really shine mm -hmm. um, there. I think there will be, you know, the right matchups for him if he's going up against a starter where he, he can excel as well. Uh, Joel Embiid is probably not one of them, which mm -hmm. obviously we didn't get to see, but uh yeah I, i'm encouraged i think 
you know, if he can make enough of those mid-range shots, uh, I'm not even, you know, with any any three he makes is a huge bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if he can pop in enough of those mid-range shots, I think that will help him out quite a bit. And let's face it, this Raptors roster, if there's one thing you look at in the half court, it's needing as many uh, shots to drop from the outside as possible. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, anything the bigs can offer in that regard is a bonus. So, yeah, encouraging uh, sort of second half for him uh, after mm-hmm. uh, after a tough start. But, uh, yeah, I think once all, all of these guys get their legs under them and get comfortable – you know, there's going to be a lot of fun to be had, um, especially when the interior defense is putting. Yeah, I don't know what the ceiling of Precious Achua is, but I have a hard time believing a dude who's that size, who's that fluid with that kind of touch and speed. Like, it, it's not a combination you see a lot, and I have a hard time believing that guy's not going to be something meaningful in the NBA. So it looks like the Raptors got a good one in the Lowry deal in the form of Precious Achua. Uh, we're going to get to the back of the roster battles and, and sort of how the you know last few spots might be shaking out and how the first preseason game might inform those decisions for the Raptors. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag who are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridironers. Teams are back on the field for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit that is the promo code locked on to get that bonus as well if you put in 100 bucks you get 150 bucks to play with that's a great deal go to football or sorry from football basketball boxing baseball playoffs whatever it might be right down to your favorite casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts all right, Big V, uh, we're just about to round out your first listen of the day. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day here on the YouTube and all your favorite podcast apps. Again, free on all platforms. Uh, Big V, let's continue on and talk about the back of the roster battles. Lots of dudes got into the action in this game uh, from Sam Decker to Ish, Ish Wainwright getting garbage time minutes all the way to Speed Mahaliuk playing 23 minutes in a pretty significant role. Justin Champagne played 22. He had 17 and 10 with three assists and two steals. Really impressive from the two-way guy. Um, what were your sort of key takeaways from, I guess you're looking at the roster, it's like battles for spots 13 through 15 maybe if you assume that the presumed starters and the presumed reserves plus like Utah Watanabe and Delano Banton are going to be on the team. I know Utah is not a guaranteed guy, but it's always felt like he's a lock to make the team. They seem to love him. Um, so I'm not worried about him not being around. But beyond that, those three spots really seem like they're up for grabs. I don't know if one of them is anymore. I think Sfi might have just snatched it last night. But uh, what are your takeaways about how the roster is uh, forming at the back part uh, based on last night's game and how training camp's going and some of the stuff we're hearing at a Raptors camp. Yeah, I think with both Justin Champagne and C. Mahalik, it was like, let's wait and see what they've got, right? Like, yeah. No real expectations on what they're going to bring to the table. So uh, I thought for both of them to come in uh, and, you know, play with real intent, there is no, you know, this this goes back to the Fred Van Vliet quote, right? Mm-hmm. About how, you know, you see these guys desperate for that 
those final couple of spots on the roster and and just really going at it and that's how they played and i thought uh svi more than anything you know you look at him having a bit of a reputation as a shooter but it was mm-hmm. his play off the bounce that really caught my eye and yeah uh he he's got more pop off the bounce than i anticipated he makes better reads than i anticipated so uh you know he finished with five assists and yeah i think to use uh his sort of scoring threat in that way to set up others is something that uh, is intriguing and then with champagne like he's one of those guys that kind of knows where to be and mm-hmm whether it was making the right cut at the right time or even on the offensive glass, just picking those gaps where he can just get in there and fight for the loose ball. That's the type of stuff that, you know, the coaching staff is going to look at and say, okay, that's something different. That's maybe Mm -hmm. something that we don't have on our roster. And you look at the size uh, uh, on the roster, maybe, you know, you do need a guy like that who will just get in there and battle. Yeah, Champagne, I think, you know, he's going to be a 905 hand, I would assume, as a two-way guy, but really nice signs from him out of the gate. I don't know what position he plays. Like, I guess that's kind of the point with the Raptors is, who cares? Just, you're playing basketball. Go nuts. But uh, I really like what I saw from him. I'm actually going to be on Locked On Pit uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks talking with the host over there, Nick, about uh, Justin Champagne as he is a pride of the Pit. Panthers? Is that? The t- yeah, I think that's it. I'm not very well versed in NCAA, but I'll learn next week. Um, but yeah, you know, on the Svee side of things, you're right. You know, it was weird in that second quarter. It was such frantic energy from everybody, right? Delano Banton's out there going coast to coast, flying around, getting steals and blocks, just being long. Scotty Barnes doing the same thing. Precious Achua doing the same thing. Like it was just arms and length and like limbs for days. And then Sfi, just kind of like the one calm dude in the storm. Just, all right, the things were going nuts there. We're in the half court now. I'm going to run this side pick and roll with Precious and just kind of calm things down. That was really nice to see. You know, I don't know if I really kind of had a good handle on Sfi as a player coming into this year. I don't think he's anything more than a 12th or 13th man necessarily. But I think just based on what we saw last night, the fact that the Raptors played him 23 minutes against some of the guys who you know are also in that battle maybe getting three minutes or not playing at all i think that kind of tells you where the raptors are with him and i would say that the 13th roster spot after utah at the 11th spot banton at 12 i think Sfee may have locked that up last night and there's basically two spots left for everybody else to fight for um quickly on banton you know i, I thought he was a delight he had five turnovers which i think is something you're gonna expect early on as he kind of figures out how to channel that insane energy but his opening bucket the coast to coast and one was really thrilling to watch and they got the the crowd very excited the the fans clearly love banton and the hometown story there um you know i don't think he's gonna be part of the rotation when the team is fully healthy but the way he played last night and the fact that boucher is gonna be out you know again we don't really know what position banton is he's a point guard but like he could play the four and that would be totally reasonable i think considering his size and what he can do on the defensive end do you think there's a path here for Banton to play like out of the gate this season, or is he going to be a 905 guy regardless of the status of Boucher and Siakam? I think there's a path mm-hmm. uh, because, because when you look at Boucher being out, Siakam being out, and the opportunity that's going to present, I think he's really come a long way since Summer League. I, yeah. You know, I talked about not having any expectations for Svi and uh, Champagne, you know, 
I was a bit underwhelmed with what I saw in summer league uh, from Delano, to be honest with you. And and so that's why when he came out and had a game like he did last night, I was like, wow, he's mm-hmm. really improved. And uh, again, I thought Nick Nurse, you know, summed it up beautifully where when your head is up just looking for the pass all the time, that's what mm-hmm. the defense is going to play you for. And when mm-hmm. you don't have uh, a jumper, uh, then you know you, you've really got nothing to offer. But when you're constantly looking to attack and mm-hmm. you're thinking and it's in your mind to go score and, hey, if the opportunity presents itself, I am going to score, then that's what forces the defense to collapse. And that's yep. where the passing lanes open up. And that's what's changed with Delano. Um, and then defensively, to get stuck on guards and stay in front of them and not uh, – you know, get, get blown by at any point, you know, yeah, there were a couple of defensive miscommunications where, you know, they didn't switch on screens or whatever it was, but mm-hmm. uh, that's going to happen. It's the first preseason game, but I was very impressed with what I saw out of Delano. Yeah. Most likely he's going to be with the nine Oh five, but I think what's encouraging to me is with Siakam and Boucher potentially being out for that opening stretch, uh, you could look at Delano right now and say, hey, that might not be a net negative no matter mm-hmm. what. Yeah, I think the thing that really stood out to me, and that was very clear on that first coast-to-coast bucket, is like he looks a lot faster than he did in Summer League. And I think you know maybe this is just kind of watching some college highlights of him. Look, I didn't watch a ton of Delano Banton at Nebraska during his college career, so I didn't have a great handle on him. But in the clips that you did see, you know, it didn't really seem to be very explosive. He seemed to be like a six foot nine YMCA point guard who, because he's so tall and smart, is able to get by. But if he has that blow by ability and that burst, I mean, that changes a lot for him because I remember thinking about his drive attempts in summer league and thinking, okay, like there's some shiftiness to the way he handles. He's so long and he can kind of do those long sort of exaggerated crossovers to get the defense on their heels. And that's a great thing to have. But if he also just has like a blow by ability that we haven't seen before, that's quite a game changer and can help kind of offset the lack of a jumper, which still is very much not there, but he was able to get to the basket. Then that is really, really encouraging stuff. Um, Yeah. I'm with you. I think there's a chance he could kind of fill in like, you know, 10 minutes a game as the backup four or something like that. Once the season gets going with Boucher and Siakam not available, a um, couple other guys to quickly hit on, I suppose, um, you know, Malachi Flynn played just 13 minutes. I think we'll probably see a more extended run for him in future preseason games. I don't think he's at risk of like losing minutes to Delano Banton in the regular season. That was kind of a take last night. I just don't see that happening. Flynn just kind of has the sort of running of an NBA offense down. I do think uh, I'm excited to, you know, I hope they kind of get him a little bit more in terms of reps and stuff like that. That would be nice to see. Um you know, any other sort of thoughts on those last two roster spots? Anyone pop to you who could grab them? You know, it feels like it's that Wainwright, Decker, Gillespie who looked really rough again. That poor guy. I don't think things are going to go well for him at this point. Um, Reggie Perry didn't play last night. Uh, Isaac Bonga played about six minutes. Any sort of uh, leaders in the clubhouse for you after one game for those final two roster spots? Uh, I don't know if there's leaders in the clubhouse, but I think, you know, it, the way I would put it is this in preseason early on, it's, it's hard to win a spot, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it's possible to, 
be on the back end and losing it. And, mm -hmm. and that's where I look at Freddie Gillespie uh, and I say, man, that, that guy is really not the dude that, you know, and pretty much since the opening couple weeks that he had with the team last season, yeah, um, once he got figured out, you know, this is kind of the Freddie Gillespie that we've seen. Uh, and, and so it's been a rough go. I, I think it's going to be tough for him. Um, I like Ish Wainwright, but I think the issue is it's just too much of the same. Yeah. And so I think that's going to be the issue, the, t the tough part of it for him. And so mm -hmm. if, if I were to say that there were two on the outside looking in after one preseason game, I'd probably pick those two. Uh, and then you'll have to go from there. But uh, the last thing I want to touch on is, you know, we're obviously very excited over this first preseason game. Yeah. My big butt would be when you look at this team, the way it's constructed, they are going to look really good against teams where they can get into the paint. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the interior defense is pretty soft. And that was the case uh, against Philly last night. It's when they go up against good rim protection where they're going to have to rely more on their jumper. Mm -hmm. so they go up against teams that really focus on taking care of the ball. That's when, you know, things are not going to look like this. And, and yeah. <laughs> Delano and Scotty uh, are, are really going to face their challenges. And so uh, I think that was the one thing that, you know, I, I would just put out as, uh, you know, as just, you know, to, to cool the Jets a little bit in that, yeah. in that regard. Yeah, I mean, the vibes were immaculate last night. It was very easy to get caught up in everything. Um, but yeah, there, there's going to be some growing pains. And I think the fact that they had 23 turnovers last night, five of which came from Barnes and Banton each, like that kind of lends credence to what you're saying. It's not always going to be this easy. They're not always going to turn the other team over a lot. The nice thing is that I think they're going to be able to get into their you know, transition game off of rebounds as well. Um, they really seemed really dedicated to that last night and all the grab and go guys that I kind of mentioned really help with that. So that's good. They're not going to be dependent entirely on steals to get that running game going, but it is going to be a struggle when they're playing against teams that aren't, you know, Tyrese Maxey and Andre Drummond centric, right? Like there's going to be some growing pains and you should expect them, but that's the beauty of this season is that even when those growing pains come, there's probably going to be some fun little flourishes in there anyway that kind of make things really sing. And it's also worth noting that they were without Kem Birch, Gary Trent Jr., Pascal Siakam, and Chris Boucher last night. Like, they're going to have those sort of more reliable pieces available to them, you would assume, once the season gets going, once you get into the first month or so and, and Pascal gets back. That will sort of, I think, limit the exposure of the weirdos who make lots of mistakes but are really cool uh, who fill out the rest of the roster. So... That feels like a good place to leave our discussion of the first preseason game. It felt really good to be back recapping a game for the first time in like months. I know Summer League was kind of, you know, recappy, but not really the same uh, depth or, you know, feelings or anything like that. So it was lovely to see you last night, to see the people last night and uh, get to be in the arena once again. And uh, we will have more coming your way as the preseason continues on here. Uh, Big V, anything you want to promote before we get out of here? Uh, I should have takeaways up on raptors.com if they're not up already, maybe a bit later. So you mm -hmm. can go check that out. Besides that, just the regular stuff that I'll be, you know, putting through uh, for the site. And you can also check out my work for CBC Sports and Complex Canada. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. 
Awesome. Uh, I wrote the recap for Raptors HQ last night. You can go read that. Josh Kern will have his thoughts on the game up there today as well. Uh, later on in the week, Katie Heidel is going to join us on Thursday. We're going to, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. We'll figure out something. Katie and I always figure something out. Uh, there will also be an episode tomorrow, uh, topic and guest TBD. On Friday, Ben Carlos from the new Yahoo Sports roster of excellent basketball coverage people is going to be on the podcast too to break down the next preseason game against the Sixers on Thursday night. So you have that to look forward to. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And now go make Locked on NBA your second listen, as there is a full slate of preseason games from last night being broken down on Locked on NBA. Lots of our local hosts chipping in and uh, hosting a day a week over on that podcast. So go and listen and make it part of your daily listening plans after you finish up with Locked on Raptors every day. Uh, with that, we will talk to you again on Wednesday. And... Uh, I think that's all I got. I, 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 why have I forgotten to land? How do I land the plane again? Goodbye. The show's over. Bye. Bye. <laughs>